Yeah, this is Jordan Dyer with LFS Chemistry. Appreciate you coming on the program here today. We've got a fantastic interview in store today because we're going to talk a little bit about some issues as we wind down 2019, a year in review, decade in review. Day, how are you doing today, sir? Great. How are you? Doing excellent here, winding down the, the year, the decade. Uh, first, before we get into you know the shift change, the retirement issue, and the startup slash capitalism that is still around in the energy industry, one of the last places that's still around, give you guys a, a nice little plug, let people know what you guys do in the energy industry, because we appreciate you coming on today's program. Sure. Yes, we are a, a new startup uh, completions chemical-focused company. You know, I, my background personally is in the, the completions chemical business and, you know, some of our key core uh, founding members, their background is, is the same. And we just saw this time as an opportunity to, to bring something different and really a fresh approach to the market and focus on service and, and quality and really uh, customer oriented business. You know, that's what I, I believe we want to drive out here. So, um creating a, a true friendship, relationship, partnership, not just you're, you're selling something to a customer, but you're selling something to, to a friend. So I but, think that's what we are business. You've really hit a lot of key phrases there that I've been hearing over the past year, actually probably the past three years when it comes to your chemical industry, which would be a very competitive, aggressively competitive uh, niche part of the oil and gas industry. And I'd like to get your thoughts on on the competitive nature behind the the chemical industry but uh i've I've interviewed probably you know a dozen chemical companies in the past uh, three years and the thing that i've heard over and over again is there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there in the chemical world and so a lot of companies are coming to companies and saying hey you're an ethical company we've done business with or you're an ethical guy that we've done business with can you help us out here and to me, that sounds a lot like what you guys experienced. Right, yeah. So I think that the industry has been kind of plagued with uh, what you described right there, a snake oil salesman or, you know, promoting something that it's not, um, charging, you know, way outside of market price or value, you know, what the chemistry is actually worth. And, you know, I think that, that we look at it like, you know, you have a, a, a problem you know, we would like to provide a, a cost-effective solution. You know, we're not out here trying to to uh, to sell you know a, a high-end Cadillac at you know an astronomical price. Whenever you know, just the market is not there. You know, we we try to provide something that is competitively priced, and you know, I think our goal is to recover every drop of hydrocarbon that's left in a reservoir in in source rock. So. Um, I think we look at we look at the rock very differently. I think we focus on true fundamentals. I think we focus on economics and science, real science. Um, I don't think we push anything that's not proven. Um, I don't think we overpromote. I don't think we underpromote. You know, I think we we provide value at a at a fair price. You know, that that's my goal, and I think that's the company's goal ultimately. It seems like the meek are inheriting the industry as a lot of the, you know, chuck and jivers, the snake oil salesmen. Uh, they they, they kind of really painted a picture, whereas a lot of the people who are uncomfortable painting that false picture 
kind of got left out in the weeds for two, three years. Uh, and now the com- it sounds like the companies are coming back around. Uh, yeah. talk, talk to me a little bit about how that is dealing with the, the you know, the, the, the midstream operators, the, the producers, the ones who got to kind of come back. And I, I know it's not hat in hand, so to speak, but um, what's it like dealing with them when they've been kind of chuck and jived and, and kind of taken advantage of? Yeah, I, I think that everybody in this space really knows, um, you know, what's what's been around and and they really talk, go back to just fundamentals of, of what has worked in the past for 30, 40, 50 years and 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 what's what makes sense for them and their business today. Um, you know, I think that there was some experimentation in the industry uh, two, three, four, five years ago, um, even earlier than that on trying different things and uh and i think that there are operators open for trying different things as well and, and there's nothing against you know trying something new uh, you know as a matter of fact i would encourage that i think companies get set in their ways sometimes and they don't want to move or shift um and there's some companies that go and bet the farm on a new technology um i think we're probably somewhere in between that you know i think we we view it as Hey, you know, I think the, the good old fashioned way of doing business and in knowing what you're talking about, knowing your product, knowing what you're selling, that goes a long way. So, you know, be an expert in your space. Don't try to be everything to everybody. I think people really do appreciate that. I think that 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 speaks volumes to, you know, your character and and what you really mean and what you stand for. So uh, that's us. That's you know that's that's what we believe in you know so i'm trying to think of a the three gentlemen that used this uh phrase on my on my program about five years ago and i I know ron gibson from Queststar was one of them i want to say lee tillman from marathon oil and then uh maybe it was lauren scott uh who's a uh, economics advisor for the industry and also louisiana state uh, university and what they said was herd mentality one of the biggest uh, detriments and the cons to the energy industry or the oil and gas industry is the herd mentality because sometimes you know when when there's a not necessarily the best idea for the industry the herd mentality still exists and i'm wondering how much of that's going on right now how much of the you know because there's we're really in uncharted waters we're in you've got six seven eight nine presidential candidates trying to ban fossil fuels you've got states passing their own local uh templated smoking ban and public health ban laws and it just seems like there's so much going on that the industry isn't a part where they or isn't a time where they need to try new things and so you know you're not gonna hey you're not gonna bat a hundred percent you know you're not gonna bat a thousand here but right. but how, how much of this herd mentality is going on here do you know what i mean by that well i i, I kind of do i mean can you elaborate further on that well herd mentality is like everybody just kind of rushes towards something you know it's like okay well we everybody's got to get away like in the media everybody's got to get online okay well Everybody, yeah. everybody invested millions of dollars online, then went out of business. And I laugh because I tell people all the time, the worst business move I ever made in my life was going on the internet. 
because I lost so much money. I will never make the amount of money I made. I, I invested back on the internet and all the newspapers. They're still trying to re recoup the millions they they put into the internet. So that that was a herd mentality thing. We all did it yeah. before we had a plan. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you on that, and I think I'll speak to that. Yeah. Here's what I think. I think, you know what's really popular right now in the media is to bash the heck out of the oil and gas industry. I think it's extremely popular. I think people love talking about it. I think it's it's fun. It's jazzy. You know, the next newest bankruptcy, you know, you know, 800 employees laid off here or there, 130 over there. I think that's what's popular and that's what, that's what people want to talk about. I, I think that people, while they're talking about all of this going on in our industry right now, there are guys building businesses right now. There, there are guys that are really, really successful right now that have, that run great businesses. And so I think the, the industry gets kind of blindsided by, oh, it's terrible and, and nobody's going to make any money over here doing this or that or the other. And, and meanwhile, you have a select few that are putting their head down, their nose to the grindstone, they're working hard, and they're passionate about their business, and, and they're building something special. And and I think those are the ones you got to, to watch and look out for. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's what, you know, maybe we are, and that's what I think what we're trying to be is, you know, we are not getting lost in the confusion of, you know, it's such a, a bad market, you know, I mean, it, it's challenging, but there's always great opportunities uh, that come out of, you know, challenges like these. So, Yeah, it's I've mentioned this before that there's still money circulating around the planet. And sometimes you just got to reinvent your steak sandwich and you got to figure out a way to get people to know about your steak sandwich. And that's tough. We, we, we live in a yeah. time where access right now is worth more than money. Because yeah. the people who have access to the dollars and the laws and the regulations, those are the ones running the show right now. And Colorado will be the first one to tell you how easily government can change an industry. And Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's really sad, too, right? So Colorado tries to push an anti-fracking ban, a, a moratorium, essentially, on our industry. New York has done the same, I think. You know, if you look at New York, just just look at the problems they're facing today. Uh, right right across the state line, you know, you've got Pennsylvania and places booming. Meanwhile, you've got a pipeline trying to go into New York. They can't supply enough gas to the people in the state of New York, and it, it's a it's a shame. It's it's just it's anti industry. It's anti capitalism. And I, you know what? I, I like clean air and clean water just like anybody else. But I'm also for a low cost of living and and uh, a low cost of, of energy. Um, and so I just think that the whole narrative of climate change and and this is, is just it's there's not a lot of sound science to it. Number one. Um, and it's, it's really anti-American. It's anti-industry. And so I, I just wish that that uh, Republicans and Democrats would look at it differently um, instead of the country being so polarized the way it is today. You know, so it's almost like you can't be left. You can't be right. You have to be so far left or you have to be so far right. 
that you can't even sit at the dinner table and have a conversation anymore. You can't talk about yeah. who's in office because everybody is going to get upset about one tweet this way or the other. And that's sad where we're at in society where we can't just sit down and say, hey, you know, we can agree to disagree. Or I, I respectfully, you know, I, I, I like these policies or those, you know. Um, that, that's just unfortunate. The reason why the, um, actually I've heard that over and over again, that was the reason why the crude life uh, a number of years ago actually said we were non-political because you couldn't even turn on SportsCenter to get the you know Colorado Rockies score without being told how to feel about the national anthem. It's a sports center for crying out loud. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of a, a political debate. So yeah. the crude life, we, we, we decided to go non-political. And now this next year, we're going we're, we're gonna to venture into a little bit of politics because you can't talk energy now without being political. And it doesn't matter if you're political or not. People just assume you are. And, I've, and so I totally agree with what you're saying. The, the one part that really concerns me, and this is the thing I want everybody in the oil and gas industry to understand, because I've been trying to tell this for five years now, the way that the leaders are using children is extremely dangerous. Now, right now, they have a, uh, the UN has handpicked a, uh, I think she's 14 or 16, uh, Greta Thun Thunberg, and she's got Asperger's, and she's going around the country, or around the planet, talking about how the world's going to end in 10 years unless we um, submit ourselves to the UN. And that's, you know, that's, that's loosely saying it, but, you know, to, in order to fall into these regulations and pay this high taxes. If we don't do it, the planet's going to end. What's happening when they do that is they're making anxiety cool. And that really concerns me that kids today in Fargo, North Dakota, they had a climate change summit where a bunch of kids went before the, the city leaders and demanded they declare a climate emergency because they want to live to be 30, 40, and 50 years old. You got junior high and high school kids this worked up that they really believe the planet's going to end in 30, 40 years. Now, that should not be enabled. The, the UN, the, the leaders, the, the, the media should not be enabling that level of anxiety. That's, that's kind of my issue with all this. One of them, I guess. But I'd like to know your thoughts about that and how easily children are being used against fossil fuels. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the media... Uh, it's terrible. I, I think it's almost disgusting, but they do an excellent job of, of grabbing youth. Uh, you know, children, they, they own Hollywood, and, and they all get on the same page, right? It's almost verbatim. This is an existential threat uh, to our society, and we have to do something about it right now. And, and, and really, if you look at that, those are the drivers behind the, the, the weakness and in capital into our space is because it's a top-down driven market. And the, the climate change conversation has pushed so hard into um, anti-oil and gas rhetoric that it is detrimental. And I, I guarantee you uh, the, the hydrocarbon is not going away anytime soon. Natural gas is not going away anytime soon. Um, there are hundreds of millions of lives that depend on, on you know, low-cost energy uh, that, you know, for heating and 
plastics, pharmaceuticals, a, a number of industries that depend on on what we do. And I just I wish that people were more educated on the matter, that thought a little deeper and harder about what they said before they said something, because it would go a long ways. I mean, if you just do a little research and you think about how you get to work every day, I don't care if you're driving a Prius or not. Guess what? That Prius is is, is charged by electricity, but I guarantee it's probably powered somewhere by a, a natural gas uh, powered uh, power plant or, or coal or, you know, I mean, people do not think about the rubber on the tires on the Prius. Where does that come from? I mean, the clothes on our back, I mean, it's, it's in everything that we do. It's in everything that we touch and see. And, um, I, you know, it's in hospitals. It's, it's, you know, it, it's all around us. And so to be so anti oil and gas is to almost be un-American. <laughs> but that just shows you where they're at. I mean, to me, I, I think the closest thing that I can attribute it to is somebody who's against uh, uh, corporate farming and then goes to the store and buys hamburger, where they're so far attached from how a hamburger gets on their plate yet they'll turn around and protest against the things that allow it hap to happen. That that blows me away, is is how easily we can uh, become detached on, on those types of things, you know. And, th and that's what I mean by using children. They're hypo they're, I mean, their hypothalamus isn't even developed till they're 25. I mean, there's a reason we have drinking laws and, and, and adult laws is because it has to do with the physical, uh, uh, biological formation of the brain. And to use uh, children who are not equipped with critical thinking abilities or questions to go against something like that, where you're just producing fear and anxiety in a way that is authoritative, that's right. that's well, in, in other in, in other forms that's criminal, but not not apparently if you're an elected leader, it's it's cool. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, anyway. no, it's, it's popular. Yeah. No, I so, I uh, also wanted to ask you about the big shift change coming, the cruise shift happening because you know within the next three years something like 70 percent of the industry will be retired there'll be a new shift change and during the 90s there was a decade of low oil prices you know they got as low as eight bucks i want to say they hovered around 30 for a long time but uh there was a decade of non-hiring so during the 2000s when the when the boom came back there was a mixture of Gen Y, Gen X, Gen uh, Millennials, just that kind of all got ushered in. Three different generations of education on fossil fuels. Interesting, you know. And so, I I am. This is another one of my concerns: is the the vetting process that's going on right now. I'm not sure that the energy companies are doing as good of a job as I would hope they would have done. And what I mean by that is. There's a certain level of respect that needs to be understood that the energy industry has ha has developed over the past hundred and some years. They have a hundred and some years of developing a relationship with the land, with innovation, with the land owners, with states on how to do things, with education systems on how to create um, a little bit more of an educational safety training uh, system that, that's going to make the industry uh, better. I mean, this has been going on for 100 years, and I'm not sure everybody quite has an understanding of that because of that decade of, of uh, downturn, if you will. 
Um, yeah. your, your comments on the cruise shift change, the retirement issue, and then, you know, my observation about that hiring issue that came with it where, you know, there's a generational gap. Yeah. It, it's that, you know, the industry pretty much got robbed there, right, for 10-plus years, as you mentioned. And, uh, and, and then there's a lot of fear to go into it with the swings associated with oil and gas. So, uh, but, you know... I think that the the crew shift change that's going on now, it creates opportunities, right? So, um, you know, you've got a lot of folks that, that are retiring right now. Um, we're going to lose a lot of experience. But, you know, at, by the same token, you've got um, graduates coming out of college and, and they can find a job in this industry and they can build a, a career and a business for themselves. Um you know, it's, it's, it's entrepreneurial by, by heart, by nature, I think, um, the oil and gas businesses. And, um, I just, you know, imagine the old wildcatting days and truly going out and, and drilling a well in the middle of nowhere and, and hoping it's a, a boom and hopefully not a bust. Right. But, um, it, you know, it's fascinating. It, it can be fun. And, um, but you know, you're right. There, there's a, there's a big gap. It's got to be filled, and the, the, the kids that come out of college today, they, they weren't taught, you know, how to use the tools, right, how to turn a crescent wrench or, you know, swing a hammer. I mean, simple things like that. You know, I don't think they understand the nuts and bolts of the industry the way, um, you know, the, the boomer, quote-unquote, generation does. Um, I don't think they have the work ethic either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think they work half as hard as as the folks before them, and so um, I I think that that's got to change. I think that there's kind of an entitlement uh, issue or problem with with some fresh graduates, and they all want to you know come out of school and make you know a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know everything's just going to be handed to them. I think you got to dig your heels in, and you got to work hard. You know, like ultimately, I think. No matter how smart you are, you've got to continue to grind, and uh, and I think it, it pays off. It pays dividends down the road. But you know, if you're willing to put in the work, and the time, and the effort, um, I, I think it will come to fruition. You know, and um, it may not be that perfect job that you want right out of school, but it's a start in a in an awesome industry that's got a lot of fascinating people in it. You know, I think. That's what I'm pleased the most with is is the people in the industry. I mean, they're tough. You know, they don't take no for an answer. They're they're determined. They work hard. They've seen the ups and downs of the industry, and they're willing to, to stick it out because at the end, there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I mean, there's always something cool to work for and grow towards. And so, I think that's that's our industry. You know, I mean. You know, you, you pull yourself back up by your bootstraps and you get to work. So um, that, that's why I love it so much, you know. It's definitely not an industry that uh, is inside the box, even though they keep trying to put it inside the box, you know. I mean, just it, it's just, yeah. well, each every 10 feet you go, the soil could be different. <laughs> I mean, right. That's what I yeah. mean. It's That's what I don't think people understand is there are just some things that just don't adhere to policy. You know, Mother Earth does not care about lawyers. They don't care. She doesn't care about policy, you know, and 
I, I think that gets lost sometimes. And that's the part I really enjoyed about the energy industry is that their fluidity, fluidity and their nimbleness, if you will, to adapt and be innovative to solve problems so quickly. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just blown away at the innovation that has come out of this this energy industry. And it's been refreshing to hear you talk in a very positive way. Um, there's a lot to not be positive about right now. And like I said, there's layoffs happening every day in the news. Yet here's a true capitalist at heart saying, hey, that just means there's more opportunity for me. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly right. I so, think- so go ahead. Yeah, t- t- talk about that opportunity, how you're going to go out there and get it. Yeah, that's right. So opportunity can sometimes invent itself out of thin air. And I think you always got to be looking for it, right? I mean, you always got to be thinking ahead, whether it's our customer or some piece of technology that can help differentiate us. I think you got to have something, you know, you got to have a niche and then you got to really focus on that and capitalize on it, you know, and if you can prove some value to your customers, whether it's help them save a dollar or help them make money faster. I mean, I joke around with people you know, about that all the time. Like my value is if I can't save you a buck or if I can't help you make money quicker, then ultimately what am I doing? You know, like that, that's really what it comes down to. Can I help you save money or can I help you make money? And, and that's really providing value or solution. So, you know, if you look at chemistry, like our goal is to, is to help make a better oil well. I mean, that's, that's what we're about. We are about the science and the rock and, and recovering hydrocarbons. Um, we want to try to squeeze everything we can out of it. Um, you know, I think that that's important. You know, you talk about science or you talk about geology, you know, not every basin is different. The Midland Basin is different from the Delaware Basin. It's different from the Central Basin Platform. I mean, you've got complex geology in our feet. It's got to be looked at, analyzed. A lot of R&D's got to go into it. You know, just like you said, the soil is not the same from 10 feet to the left as it is 10 feet to the right. And I think if, as you go back and you really take an in-depth look at the rock, I think you can fine-tune some chemistry to the mineralogy, to, to shale, to carbonate, to sands. I mean, you can really adapt and optimize your, your process and your efficiencies and, and, and really create something compatible downhole. Um, that that's that's our that's our pitch you know and and so you know i i i don't want to go too too far into the weeds here but you know it it's it's complex the the rock is is challenging to work with but there, there's a lot of benefits to to really taking an in-depth approach and look at, at your reservoir and and not just pumping the same old thing or pump where everybody else is pumping or you know the guy to the left is doing this or the guy to the right is doing that I mean, sit down and, and really take take some time. Um, I, I think that that's that's what this industry needs right now, you know. So. And how can people get in touch with you? Let people know if they want to get a quote or find out sure. some more about uh, some of the chemistry you guys are offering there. Sure. Yeah. So you can you can reach me at, at my cell phone. You know, four three two seven seven zero two three three four. Or you can go to our website at lightningfluids.com. 